Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. They circulated their intentions to, quote, stakeholders. They didn't even put out a news release to the rest of it. It took news organizations stumbling upon what they were doing here several weeks into the process. There's the contrast. They go out of their way to make sure you know what they're doing when they're proud of it and they want you to know what they're doing. When they would sooner the public didn't even know until this thing is sprung on the public later this session of the legislature, that's how they proceed. Okay, so that's Von Palmer from the Vancouver Sun talking to us about BC's plans to change the Land Act. These are substantial changes governing public land access and use. Changes that, for the most part, as Vaughn has been explaining to us, have kind of flown under the radar. At least that is the perception here, right? The thing is, the public consultation is going on right now, but you probably hadn't heard about that. And the legislative changes are set to happen this spring. That's pretty fast. So what is the rush? Why hasn't the government been more open about all of this? Well, Nathan Cullen is the Minister of Water, Land and Resource Stewardship and joins us now to talk about that. Thank you very much for being here. Good morning. First up, what are these changes? What's being discussed here? These are changes to what we call crown land, which is the vast majority of land in B.C. It allows the government, the provincial government, to enter into an agreement with a First Nations rights and title holder, often over a very specific project. So recently, last year, we entered a, an agreement. They're called six, Section 6 and 7. That's what part of the UN Declaration Act they come from. We entered one of these agreements with the Taltan Nation over an Eskate Creek mine. <clears throat> this allows us to manage the mine, come to mutual agreement about how we're going to do environmental assessments and, and on down the line. So we've, we've actually done a bit of this already, um, the changes that we're proposing and the public consultation started earlier this month um, allow us to enter into those agreements in the future elsewhere in the province. So this was always imagined in that uh, act that we passed four years ago, the Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples Act, which the legislature passed unanimously. Right. But would you agree that these are some pretty big changes in terms of sharing the public land of British Columbia? I, again, it's so what happens if if these changes to the Land Act pass, what it does is it enables the government to enter an agreement. If we were seeking such an agreement like we did with the Taltan and Northwest BC last year, all of that process goes to public engagement as well. It doesn't passing this doesn't mean the next thing happens automatically. We have to go through an entire stakeholder engagement process with the community, with if there's a mining company, as the case with the Taltan was involved, they were deeply involved. And then that also has to pass through cabinet. By the way, um, since passing a version of this with the Taltan and that company, the company has been nothing but thrilled <laughs> with the process. And you can ask them, and don't, don't take my word for it, and others in the resource sector, because a lot of this will have impact on the resource sector when we look to enter one of these agreements, because it provides the predictability 
of what the process is. It diminishes dramatically the potential for a lawsuit because you already have an agreement between the province and the First Nation that's impacted. And that allows investors, it allows the resource company to know exactly what the process is in front of them and not face suddenly a lawsuit popping up or protests, et cetera. So the ability to get more predictable investment in BC is greatly enhanced. Okay. One thing, I'm a bit confused why folks are surprised by this, only in that two years ago, the Vancouver Sun wrote about this exact possibility and the need for this Land Act Amendment to come. So I guess some of us are taken a little bit by surprise. It was imagined in the bill that we passed together as a legislature that we would do these kinds of things and that the agreement that we signed with the Taltan is a very much imagined part of this whole process. Right. But if there is that out there, and I'm certainly hearing, like I've I've heard, you know, from a lot of people in the last few days about this. I keep a close Mm -hmm. eye on the news. I keep a close goings on on what happens in the government. And and Mm -hmm. I haven't heard a lot about this. So is that the public, you know, not paying attention or is that the government not doing enough to let us know about these changes? Well, we're, I mean, the public consultations have begun. We, uh, we take requests from industry that are asking for more consultations. We've done 11 of those sessions already, and we'll, we'll do more. The Act the amendments haven't been introduced into the legislature yet, so we'll have that spring session and more debate in the legislature of all the elected people in B.C. and happy to engage. Like uh, there's, there's this, uh, I think, a narrative or a sense that there's something defensive in the government or something that's not being uh, forthright about it, but that's, it's the opposite in the sense of, We've entered these agreements already. This is the Land Act portion that needed to be changed in BC law, only allowing government, the provincial government, to have this tool to negotiate with First Nations, which again starts a whole new public process on that specific agreement. So I've heard it described by some that this is sweeping, this will affect every square kilometre of BC instantly. Nothing can be further from the truth. All it does is says, look, we passed the Declaration Act together as a province. That means it gives us the ability to make decisions in a new way with First Nations. And but if people are confused about it, Minister, doesn't that mean mm-hmm. that perhaps the ministry and the government hasn't done a good enough job explaining it to people? I, I am always striving to do a better job of explaining the intricacies of government, and we'll do more and better and take interviews that are requested and have those public websites and have the public sessions available. <clears throat> so we're keen. We're keen to talk about this. We think this... Again, we think it just came from the Natural Resources Forum in Prince George. We were at a mining conference in Vancouver. What is everybody in that sector talking about? Well, our ability to make predictable investments, our ability to have agreements with First Nations on the land. That's exactly what this does. So there's uh, the opposite of trying to hide this. Right. We're quite so, proud of these these motions and look forward to debate in the legislature. Okay, so for the general public then, like what kind of access will be guaranteed to these lands? Like who will have the veto power over access to Crown land? Yeah, so the the way it is right now, depending on what activity you're looking to do, right? You, If you have a provincial park or if you have some restrictions on the lands, those are the same. What this imagines is similar to the case, and again, the, the leading example we have is the Taltan, but we've also come to agreements on child and welfare agreements. We're, we're building a major hydropower line you, you, you know about across Highway 16. We're doing exactly that with that power project. So it's more about the proposal of something, right? That someone's coming forward and saying, I'd like to build this or we would like to construct that. It's an option. It doesn't, it's not required, but it's an option if the First Nations come forward and say, we'd like to enter an agreement with the province up front so that we know 
how the decisions are going to be made with respect to the project. And then we can proceed that way. And again, I, I can't emphasize enough, we're hearing this from those who are looking to invest in BC. We've had a very successful economy the last seven, eight years. This is a step towards that predictability, the certainty that folks are looking for. In terms of the public, in terms of folks going snowmobiling or somebody yeah. wanting to go for a hike, th- those things don't change. Like it, it, I, but is that I access don't... guaranteed? If if there is a partnership between the government mm-hmm. and First Nations in a certain area, is mm-hmm. the public access to that area guaranteed? Absolutely, as much as it is today. So I'll give you an example. I, I'm also in charge of hunting and fishing regulations across the province. We have places and times when you can fish for certain fish and times where you can't. Someone would say in an extreme level, well, my, the public access is not fully guaranteed. Well, we, we have rules to make sure that conservation is in hand. You can hunt this time of year, not this time of year. Those things maintain. Um, and I think it could be enhanced because what we're doing is having tables with First Nations, bringing in a deeper knowledge of things like hunting and fishing to make rules that actually work for the sustainability of those activities. So I think this is positive. I, I want to understand that people maybe feel a certain amount of fear or this is hyped up that everything is broadly sweeping the next day this thing passes. That's not the case. So let's keep talking about it. Let's look at the places where it's actually happened and how is it working out for, in the case that I mentioned, a mining company and the First Nation and the province. And I think it's working out really well. Okay, so where can people pose those questions or get more information than if they are, are feeling like they need to know more? Yeah, on the Engage BC website. I'll put it on all my social media this morning again, just to let people know. Um, industry and other proponent groups, so often they come to us, as you know, in a sort of a more concerted effort. We've been holding, as I said, I think there's been 11 sessions so far. We'll do more as they come forward and, and show people exactly what it is that we're talking about, what we're thinking. Because again, this was, this was talked about when we signed the agreement with Taltan two years ago. This is exactly what we talked about when we passed the Declaration Act four years ago, that it allows the government, it gives us a tool to enter an agreement with First Nations, as opposed to fighting it out in the court, costing us all millions and millions of public dollars, and creating a lot of uncertainty for people who live in that very region that you're talking about. All right, well, thank you very much for your time. Of course. Appreciate that. That's Nathan Collin, Minister of Water, Land and Resource Stewardship. Uh, Now, again, that public consultation is ongoing, so people can get involved. uh, And I know that people are going to want to weigh in on this, too. So, Simi at cknw.com. We'll be talking more about this because it does sound like a big change. And clearly, there is a lot to learn about it. We are all going to be learning about this together. So, Simi at cknw.com.